What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me today and each day as we continue our study of the book of Revelation. Yesterday's episode on the Apollyon or the Destroyer and the Locust Demons was pretty intense to try and imagine. Some have tried to say that, you know, the Locust was John's way of describing helicopters and etc. But that is what I mean when I say we have to be careful with our desire to make sense of some of the things described by John. Why and how would helicopters be locked away in the abyss for thousands of years before they were ever even created? And we know the abyss is real because scripture says it is. It is man's way of trying to make sense of what it can't understand. In truth, I believe some things will be explainable with things we can understand, but I also believe that in the last days during God's judgment, man will see things that it cannot explain or comprehend, but it doesn't make it less so. We just have to accept that there are things like these demon locusts, you know, or locust scorpion with a scorpion tail, etc. You know, there are things like this that just like today when we dig into uh, this army of demons led by these four uh, fallen angels, you know, they're just, there are things that are just beyond our understanding, you know, and and they don't make sense to us, you know, and even though they're beyond our understanding of reality, it doesn't make it any less real. God is not limited by our inability to comprehend something. Uh, All right, so I know I keep talking about the grace and mercy of God on full display in this book. So let me point out something I forgot to mention in the previous episode. Yesterday, we talked about the fifth trumpet and the punishment or suffering inflicted lasting five months. Five months is an interesting length of time, right? Well, it is. it just so happens that the number five is the number of God's grace. It is mentioned 318 times in Scripture. You know, the fifth trumpet bringing five months of punishment was not random. God was showing grace in his judgment. Again, you might say, but he kept them alive and in pain and would not let them die. How is that mercy? So let me show you. The mark of the beast has not been enforced yet, meaning there is still time for man to turn their hearts to God and find salvation in Jesus. God knew they would want to die because of the pain and agony they would be you know that they would be in but if he allowed them to die they would have been doomed for eternity in agony they would go to hell but keeping them from dying he was showing mercy giving them more time to turn their hearts toward him to turn from their sin and accept jesus you see that is what i have been saying god is both just in his judgment and full of mercy and grace at the same time we get so focused on who Apollyon is or explaining what these locust demons could be or just trying to comprehend the scary nature of what is uh, being described that we walk away missing the power of God's grace on full display. Also, this five months of torture and agony of stinging or burning pain and not being able to end it is like God's way of giving them a preview of what awaits them in hell if they don't turn their hearts to him. Okay, guys, it's time. The sixth angel steps up and blows his trumpet, unleashing the second woe judgment. Verse 13 through 16 says, The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns uh, of the golden altar that is before God. 
it said the sixth it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet release the four angels who are bound at the river at the great river euphrates and the four angels who had been kept ready for this hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind the number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000 i heard their number that and that is what john says he says i heard their number so he's very specific about this time frame. You know, they've been reserved and kept awaiting this very moment in time. You know, he, he says this very hour, day, month, and year. Like he's very precise. They've been put on hold and waiting for this exact moment in time. All right, so let's let's dive in and unpack God's truth together. We know this is God speaking because only he can give orders to carry out judgment. The sixth angel was told to release the four angels bound at the Euphrates. There's that number four again, but we'll have to save that for another day. But anyways, it is more important to understand that these four angels are bound and have been for a long time, signifying that they are fallen angels or demons, powerful and dangerous, too dangerous to be allowed to roam the earth. Like the locust demons that we talked about with the first woe judgment, so God bound them up until a time when they could be put to use carrying out uh, his judgment. So this just reinforces that some demons or fallen angels are just, they were just too dangerous and evil to be allowed to roam free. You know, these four are also depicted as being leaders in the demonic realm because they raise up this demonic army. And so, it is also important to note that they are bound at the Euphrates River, and biblically, this area known as Mesopotamia is the biblical home of Satan and his fallen angels or, or agents. You know, if if I may pause and inject one thought here, if God created the fallen angels and then found a way to make them useful and a part of His plan, do you think He would do any less for you? He loves you and gave his son for you. He did not offer redemption to these fallen angels, but he did for you and me. If he has a plan for these demons, he surely has one for me and you. We don't always see it or understand it, but he is at work in you and me. He loves you far more than these demons. He has a plan for your life, one that will bring honor to his name. We just have to trust it and walk in it. Okay, these four fallen angels are like generals of this army of demons that they call forth. An army numbering 200 million. That's when he said twice 10,000 times 10,000. Just do the math, it's 200 million. And John is certain because he tells us that he heard their number. So let's pause for a moment here. I want to make a point. As believers, we don't dispute that there are angels. Scripture mentions them many times over. They are real beings that God created to serve him. We also know that there are evil spirits or demons, which are, you know, are fallen angels, you know, whom God also created, but they fell from grace when they rebelled against God and followed Lucifer. You know, so if we believe in angels and demons and we know that the four angels that were bound up uh, but now released are in fact high-ranking demons or fallen angels, then it is obvious that the army they assemble are also demons that uh, that they have charge over. So you're going to start to see more and more of uh, supernatural beings being like the angelic beings that are going to be involved. 
And so we got to stop trying to explain it like it's something else. It is what it is. People read their description and because it sounds so unreal, they start trying to come up with ways to explain what they what they might be metaphorically. Oh, they're talking about tanks or helicopters or some other modern warfare explanation. Just stop it. They are demons assembled and led by more powerful demons, all of which have been locked away awaiting the appointed time in which they would be loosed to fulfill God's judgment. They still serve at God's command. You know, is there... Is their description scary and hard to imagine? Absolutely. God is a creative God, and they were created for a purpose, and that is what we discover in the second woe. Prior to the fifth trumpet, a lot of the things that happened can be explained as God using natural phenomenons like meteor showers, volcano eruptions, earthquakes, fires, etc. But when God starts sending judgment to directly harm, torture, or kill man, meaning these judgments are intended to directly attack the physical person, At this point, God uses demons to carry out, or the fallen angels, to carry out his judgment. Maybe they are better suited for that kind of thing. Maybe he doesn't want the good angels to have any part in directly harming or killing man. I don't know. But what I do know is that this army is an army of demons led by demons with one purpose, to kill one-third of mankind not protected by God. You know, Joel the prophet talks about this army in Joel chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, He describes the army of, of, de- of demons, saying, And behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Their appearance is like you know, the appearance of horses, and like war horses, so they run. And to be sure we are in the right time frame regarding this prophecy that Joel is is speaking, you know, Joel says in verse one that they are talking about the day of the Lord, which is an old, which is a common Old Testament name, you know, um, for the judgment or tribulation period that Revelation covers. You know, if you read Joel chapter two, you will get much more detailed account of what this army of demons will do and how it moves and functions. It is safe to say that they are described as an unstoppable and disciplined force that sweeps across the land, destroying everything in their path. When they pass through, they leave that area desolate, like the first woe that produced great suffering for everyone, but but no death for anyone. This this second woe produces death for some, and great suffering for everyone. Everyone will suffer when one-third of the population is killed. It will directly touch everyone who survives. There will be worldwide mourning. You know, the horses in this army are said to have fire, smoke, and sulfur coming from their mouths, and their tails were like snakes with heads that could inflict injury. John says that one-third die from the plagues that these horses bring, which are the fire, smoke, and sulfur that comes from their mouth. But Joel gives more detail. Check out Joel 2, verse 2. Like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was in ancient times, nor ever will be in ages to come. Read Joel chapter 2, and you will have a better understanding of what this army will be like. It is really intense, but fascinating too. Joel says that the leap, that 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 this army will leap over mountains, consuming everything. They don't break formation, and and all defenses are crushed as they move through. 
they scale walls entering windows like thieves. You know, when you read Joel, you really get the big picture that this is an unstoppable force and there's nowhere that people can go. No one can hide from them. But alas, Joel reminds us that God is the head of this army. Joel 2.11, the Lord thunders at the head of this of his army. His forces are beyond number and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great, is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? It may be a demon army, but it is still, it still has to obey his commands. This, that is a mighty God that we serve. That is why we don't need to fear the enemy. We serve God and Jesus, and the enemy must obey his commands. And God says that he is our shield. So walk a little taller. The enemy cannot stop you. Your purpose was spoken by God, and he will see it through. Joel says, who can endure it? Well, we know that two-thirds of the people alive at that time who are not protected by God, survive this deadly army's rampage. But at this point, we are halfway through the tribulation, and approximately 50% of the population is now dead as a result of all the previous judgments, um, you know, etc. So one-third of the earth is uninhabitable. One-third of the fresh waters are undrinkable. One-third of the oceans or seas can't be used or navigated. But the worst is yet to come? Man, that is just a horrible thought, right? John says that after the world is devastated by this demon army and a and a feeling and feeling the you know after this the world is going to be you know completely devastated by what this army demon army does, and they will feel the impact of all the death and destruction left in in their wake. The people who survived still refused to turn from their wicked ways. Verse 20 through 21 says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, and bronze, you know, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. That is, you know, that's hard to fathom or understand, but it shows the stubborn and wicked nature of man's heart. But once again, I see the mercy of God despite man's stubborn heart. The mark of the beast still hasn't been, still has not been enforced, and that means people can still find salvation. That is why God continues to show mercy and grace. That is why he only allowed one-third to be killed. And I know that is hard to understand, but God has repeatedly tried to get man to wake up and see the truth. But some continue to resist. Despite this, God in his mercy doesn't wipe them all out because there is still time. There is still a chance that some will turn to him. Whether they do or not, God is giving them every opportunity before it's too late. And that is a God of love and mercy. Okay, guys, that concludes the second world judgment or the sixth trumpet, which leads us to the seventh and final trumpet or third woe judgment, which unveils the seven bowls of wrath. But we, but there will be a break in, this, in the judgments before getting to the last phase of God's judgments. There is some important information that we must cover that sets the stage for the rest of what happens in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. We must um, 
cover chapters 10 through 15, then we will pick up with the seven bowls of wrath or judgment. But don't worry, the information John shares during this break in judgments is absolutely fascinating and will keep you on the edge of your seat for sure. So take a deep breath and hang on because on Monday we dive into the 10th chapter dealing with the angel and the little scroll and then the two witnesses and then the woman and the dragon and the beast out of the sea and so on. You know, I'm looking forward to digging into God's word with you next week, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for your mercy and grace and for your endless love and compassion. It's easy to read about these people that will refuse to turn their hearts toward you despite all that you do to get their attention. It's easy to read and judge them, but we are a stubborn people, selfish in our ways, and we know the whole... We know the Holy Spirit had to do a major work in our lives just to get us to the point of salvation. And even after finding salvation and walking with you for many years and knowing the truth, we still resist you at times. We still allow our stubborn nature to resist your will. We still fight you on things. And I'm talking about me, Lord. We are not much different than these people in the tribulation apart from the fact that we found grace and redemption to have the and have been covered by the blood of yeshua i pray god that you would do a work in us mold us and shape us in your image in the image of christ let our hearts be sensitive to your will and may we hear that still small voice when it speaks fill your people with purpose like never before and move among your church in a mighty way And let everything we do be done in honor of you. Amen.